This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena, no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio, Tereo Irarangi o Natangata o Manawatu. Uh, it is time on a Wednesday morning to turn our attention to the media, and this is another uh, one of those situations where it's a, a new feature to the catch up. You'll have uh, heard uh, the Massey one we did uh, a couple of days ago with uh, James uh, Charrington uh, from the Massey School of Social Work. Hopefully, more of those uh, inspiring stories. Uh, but now it used to be we just spoke to the Manawatu standard and that was all well and good and fine um, but now we have an opportunity and a bit of a, a bit of a, a pomp and circumstance to come with this because we now have uh, if you're not aware a radio New Zealand regional reporter uh, they are based um, in Manu- Manawatu people's radio uh, as the base of operations and uh, the face of this is Jimmy Ellingham. <laughs> I was <laughs> hoping for someone new and it's Jimmy again. Oh, sorry about that, Fraser. <laughs> but um, I was going to say it's lovely to be here, but um, I'm not sure if, I'm, <laughs> if that's uh, shared by you or not. Uh, I-, I will try to be as inspiring as the messy people yes. uh, that you're speaking to uh, every week. I'm not sure I'll succeed. It's uh, No, it uh, is a, a brilliant uh, story. Ob- obviously, NPR takes credit in inspiring you to the, the, the giddy heights of broadcast journalism. Indeed, it was the weekly catch-up with you, Fraser, that really twisted my arm. There you go. And the prospect of sharing an office with you. Now that we all know is a lie, but Mm. you know, you're making the best of it (laughs) and we bribe you with biscuits. Um, But yes, so so, uh, obviously we're retaining, uh, dear listener, we're retaining uh, the Manawatu standard uh, spot as well, but we're rotating on a fortnightly basis uh, between RNZ and uh, stuff in order to get a a wide gamut as possible of stories, although I think you'll both be reporting on, on similar things. I'd expect so too and, and for the listeners I've only really been in the position less than two weeks now yeah. so just last week was really the first week so uh, I haven't been uh, <laughs> as prolific as perhaps what I was in the previous role uh, but that hopefully will change but well, there's, still, there's still a little bit to talk about It was um, uh, the, the, Now I know your aversion to puns on a general basis but it was a bit of a trial by fire for you because one of the first things you did a day into the job uh, was not only report on but do a live cross to RNZ on the uh, High Flyers post office fire. Yeah, it was funny. Funny how, um, like many people, I came across this fire going going home. Or in my case, I was going to the gym, but sort of after work, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. The, the mine was off the job, so to speak. So uh, I got to where this building was building, and uh, you know, the, so this building was on fire, and there was smoke everywhere, of course. And uh, did I have a pad to write anything down? No, I did not. <laughs> did I have a proper camera? No, it was just my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wasn't. It was the first thing I reported on for RNZ here, and I wasn't at all. <laughs> prepared for it. So hopefully that's not a harbinger of things to come. But but it's 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 a a landmark building and uh, it's a story that's got interest beyond Palmerston North. It is a building uh, so that's one of the challenges with Radio New Zealand is that the stories will have to be something that people beyond 
Manawatu mm. and Palmerston North can can relate to yep. uh, potentially. Whereas at the Manawatu Standard, we did those stories and still does those stories, but also can do stories that have some very perhaps local only interest as well. Mm. Whereas RNZ, it's a bit different. But the High Flyers building seems to have actually caught the. Uh, Imagination a little bit. Well, no, I mean, not not only caught the imagination, but I mean, in, in this day and age, where most people will experience some sort of tertiary education, and that all often mean going to a different town. And we've got Massey and Ucall and 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 IPC, and you know, people from around the country will know of High Flyers uh, or what it was before. Like Eagle, the, yeah, Eagle Rock, and if they're of a uh, even older vintage, perhaps the old post office building. Well, I'm thinking more in terms of being. Uh, uh, experiencing tertiary education in your late teens and early twenties. You're right. You don't go to the post office, <laughs> no, do you? <laughs> no. But uh, as you, but as you say, that might have been the, one of the ingredients for that wider appeal. Yes, and <laughs> the, the live cross you mentioned. I went back. The fire was put out. It was Monday last week, so mm. ten days ago almost now. And the fire was put out. I think just after seven. But I, I went back after ten for the uh, for the lately show on RNZ to talk to. Uh, Brian Crump, whose yep. partner, of course, actually comes from Palmerston North, so that's perhaps his interest. Uh, but but it is uh, standing there talking to someone about a building is much better than doing it from home because you can still smell the fire. It's still, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it has those that odor. And in fact, if you if you walk past the building close enough, you can still smell it even mm. all this time mm-hmm. later. And uh, you were uh, you, I won't say you were showing off a bit, but it certainly demonstrated that you've reported on this before because you managed to, I don't know how many years you've been reporting on it, but you condensed it down into that one little live cross with Brian about the history of it, the, the, the palatial uh, uh, um, residence of the current owner up in St. Helier's. St. Helier's, yeah, just, yes. Just, it, was, it, was, it was a very enlightening uh, little spot to know the whole history of the building, what the current problems it's, are, what the plans were for it, and what, what, what will happen move, moving forward. It's lucky that building burned, burned down because I have written a bit about that. Had it been a different building, yeah. I may have been in a spot of bother. Well, I can tell you the address, but apart from that. <laughs> yes, I can tell you the address and it's been it's been on fire. Yes. Uh, but this one is one I've written about before because of, as I mentioned uh, on RNZ, that it, it's colourful history mm-hmm. as a night spot, as a post office. But actually, even in the past decade, it's, there were plans to turn it into an intercity uh, bus terminal at one yep. point. Hotel conference venue. There was the company that had the bus terminal idea. Um, there was a fraudster involved with that, um, and so and that, that was colourful in itself. And it, he he actually had to use a false name in his dealings for this high flyers building yep. because people would know his real name, which is John Fagan. So he used a false name, Edward Benton, which happens to be the name of the principal of a school where this man Fagan was previously the finance minister. And at that point, he he took a million dollars from that school. Um, and then ran off with, I can't remember the exact details now off the top of my head, but ran off with a gun and ended up calling up the Paul Holmes show saying I'm a I'm an armed maniac or something along those lines live on News Talk ZB. Good Lord. Uh, and I think he may have abducted a student at some point too, but not not at the, you know, necessarily yeah. all at the same time. So he, he he didn't use his real name when he was involved. You landed in this, on your feet with this one, <laughs> didn't this you? This building, yes. All this information. <laughs> so all this things that I have, luckily for me, uh, written about, because had the fire been, say, at the, at the, at the just to use an example, the public library, I might have been struggling a mm. wee bit, not because the public library is not an interesting building, it's just we haven't written about it so much. Uh, it hasn't had perhaps the colourful mm. recent uh, past that this High Flyers building has. And, and colourful and sad. I mean, you only have to look at it yeah. 
Um, you uh, moving forward with this because you, you, you've 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 continued to sort of follow this story and you've been trying to get people's opinions on this. Um, Heritage New Zealand, I think, was one. Yeah, Heritage New Zealand came out pretty strongly too. I mean, uh, the Manawatu Standard I see has done some uh, reporting um, this week as well about the history of the building mm-hmm. and the more recent previous owners, which was very interesting. But yes, I spoke to Heritage New Zealand uh, and its regional area manager, as they call it, which seems like a double <laughs> double thing doesn't it? But uh, Central Regional Area Manager Alison Dangerfield uh, said that Heritage New Zealand was hopeful the owner will undertake some long deferred maintenance and we are able to offer advice on heritage issues about a refurbishment or adaptive reuse of the building. So i.e. that's their way of saying do something with it, isn't it? And uh, as one of Palmerston North's notable buildings and a landmark on the square, it is well worth the care and management it deserves as a historic place. Subtext of that, uh, it's not getting that at the moment. Um, As I reported to RNZ, it does understand that the building uh, owned, as we say, by an Auckland-based company called Palmerston Post uh, and its director and shareholder, Alan Moyes, that he has this year been very close on on at least one occasion to selling the building, but it hasn't quite got over the line. So mm. that that's, I guess, a glimmer of good news uh, as well. Heritage New Zealand are quite busy in this area, aren't they? Because they were involved with the All Saints Church as well, with the City Council and the and arguments the, and, and, going on there. And the baptistry wall, mm, the, yes, the infamous right. baptistry wall, yes, that we've spoken about. Yeah, yeah Heritage New Zealand takes, takes an interest, and uh, Heritage New Zealand's I suppose Stoush, as it were, with um, with All Saints isn't over. No, uh, yet that's got that's got a way to go. Um, All Saints not wanting that they want. All Saints wants, of course, it's uh, perhaps more modern take on a church, saying a church should be opening, yeah. open and welcoming. Uh, whereas Heritage New Zealand says it's a heritage building; it needs to be uh, as it is now, and that baptistry wall will stay there. Maybe, 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 the, maybe they should set fire to the baptistry wall. The <laughs> 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 problem solved, uh, or possibly not. Let's move on from that. Uh, you've also been taking an interest locally in vaccine rates. Uh, I have noticed uh, in my own—I'm not a journalist, but in, in an attempt to be informed for these programs, I've tried to find local vaccination rates, and it's nigh on impossible. At also, what? I have to say. DHB, could you please hire a web developer at some point soon? Yeah. Because that website's pretty awful. It was hard, and if as we've discussed uh, in, in our in our office, I can't mm-hmm. say it in, yeah, our yeah, office, yeah. <laughs> in our office. Um, it can be quite hard to find those uh, local rates. Other DHBs, I know, send out daily updates to media and, and put it on, say, their Facebook page. Taranaki, Taranaki was yeah. was one, and their rates um, aren't that great. That, that, no, no, mm. but um, but we but we know every day yes. that they're not that great. However, now the the Ministry of Health, it does seem in the past couple of days is actually on its vaccination website is now putting out figures by DHB, not broken down further than that, no. but by DHB daily. Yeah. So um, at the moment, for example, as as of yesterday, we were 85% of people in the mid-central region uh, had, had their first uh, vaccination. And Which is a good indicator of where we'll be. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And 69% were fully vaccinated. I did a report last week where those figures were 83 and 64 respectively. Uh, so there's a bit of a five percentage point increase on the fully vaccinated uh, people, and that, that came after Super Saturday, which went quite well here. Yep. We were a mid, when I say we mid central was the the third highest per head of population. Um, as far as vaccine numbers were concerned mm. on that super set. I don't know if you watched the broadcast at all. I did not. No, I did not either. Um, <laughs> on RNZ Media Watch, there was a, uh, a segment about that this last Sunday. And, and some talkback hosts beforehand were saying it had the potential to be quite lame, but it turned out to be quite 
successful. It did, yes, so almost 130,000 people. My, my concern really is that, I mean, it, things have slowed down quite considerably with vaccines. I mean, people are just trickling in now uh, to get the vaccine, which from my point of view, I mean, it started slowing down maybe about 75%, I would have said, in which case one in four people are vaccine hesitant. It's a, it's a lot, isn't well, it? I mean, and that's and a huge jump, I uh, assumption to make. But you'd think that when we get down to these trickle rates, this is th- these are people who were hesitant and wanted to sort of see how it went for a bit, or maybe they've been convinced by a friend or a neighbour. But still, one in four people going vaccine. Not so sure. That's a scary stat. Going slow, of course. Although a lot of those people perhaps may have changed their mind, as that eighty-five percent first dose rate points to. Mm, yeah. Uh, mid-central people I spoke to last week. I visited the the one in the plaza, the the clinic there. Yes. And I, I was there for perhaps close to an hour, and only one person came in during that time. But that was uh, it. wasn't a busy time. It was during the week, so mm. the, so the plaza was quite quiet as it was anyway. And they said the people running that said that during the school holidays it had been quite busy yeah. and presumably weekends and out of out of your normal nine to five it would be. But in fact the one person who came along who I, I did speak to who got her uh, first vaccination at that plaza clinic initially had been a little bit vaccine hesitant mm. for religious reasons but uh, virtually changed her mind because she went to the plaza to do her shopping and saw this this clinic, so that, it's doing its job. Yeah, yeah. And I spoke to some people outside too in the square and just on the street, and found a few other people that had been. Most people weren't. Most people were, that I spoke to were actually vaccinated. Yeah. In which case, they weren't necessarily that interesting as far as the story was concerned. But good to see they were yeah. vaccinated. But I found another couple of people in the square who, again, had some questions about the vaccine, but had listened to the advice and and changed their mind. And one of them planned to go to the the plaza very shortly mm-hmm. and get their vaccine so so that the information that's been put out is is working uh, for people our maori rate though and i'm not quite sure as i said that the the site doesn't break it down only breaks it down, the ministry of health site only breaks it down by dhb but mm-hmm. our maori rate was lagging the figures i had and these are now horribly out of date by about 10 days or so but mid-central maori figures were 65.7% after super saturday of uh, 1 one dose, right. so a good 20. Well, 20. by that point, probably 15 down on... Yeah, what, tw- you know. almost 20 percentage points wow. and uh, 44.8%, which was 20 percentage points for fully vaccinated. And we were one of six, we being mid-central again, were one of six district health boards that the Associate Health Minister, Penny Hanade, had identified as needing mm. to do better yeah. uh, with Māori vaccinations. But I, I did speak to um, Adele Small at the mid-central district health board. She's in charge of of getting Māori vaccinated. That, that's not her job title, no, but, no, that, but that's yeah, one yeah. thing she's responsible for. And they are going to some efforts to, yeah. to do it. That They're going out to people, for example, workplaces that are Māori heavy potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've organised the likes of Kelvin Billinghurst, the chief medical officer at the board, to go and speak to groups that were displaying a bit of reluctance. Yeah. Uh, but Wudamu Te Awi Awi. I was going to say, what do the community want? Wudamu Te Awi Awi says it's the misinformation that you need to get across uh, we'll need to get past yeah. before many people will get vaccinated. And he says potentially as a way of doing it, going door-to-door or, or one-on-one, he said Māori have networks in place. You know, for example, when you're organising a tangi, mm-hmm. you can do that pretty fast and get people there. So 
maybe they need to turn that, their attention to vaccinations. Not not silly idea. Mind you, a lot of this is, is being taken out of people's hands because it's the uh, the government have now, uh, they announced uh, yesterday, four o'clock yesterday, so this is still very fresh, um, but it sounds like uh, most people uh, through their workplaces it will end up that it'll be mandated and you just have to get vaccinated if you're in close proximity with, with people. Um, and, I mean, that's pretty much... Everywhere, if you're in a workplace, it's just it's it sounds like that's going to be the kicker we need to get over 90%. Yes, unless you work outside by yourself, because of course, on Friday we had that new traffic light system announced, but it's only when we all get to, <laughs> yes. ni- to 90%. Uh, I actually went out and got sent to what's called a Vox Pop uh, mm-hmm. by RNZ, where you go and talk to the people. Uh, myself and some other regional reporters uh, did that in a, a story we put together. Uh, I mean, it, it was a mixed view. It's fair to say most people, most, not all, supported that 90% target and thought the traffic light system was, was okay from yep. the garbled information I gave them very quickly asking yes. for their opinion. Well, in fairness, that, that garbling is not necessarily your fault either because I read the thing and it feel, felt a bit garbled to me. Well, that, that's what I was going to say too, is actually listening to Jacinda Ardern make that announcement on Friday. It, it, there was a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And someone who I spoke to, which you spoke to too on your catch-up, uh, Wendy Carr, yes. Fielding and District Promotion General Manager, her initial response is, goodness me, this is complicated. Yes. And what's it going to mean for business? Will businesses have to hire more people to make sure that you've only got vaccinated people on your premises mm-hmm. once we do get to that 90% uh, 90% rate. And as she said, events such as town square events, yep. and that would be in Fielding, Palmerston North and other towns presumably uh, too, could be impossible unless you have a single or one or two entry points that you can place. You can't – just imagine doing that in the plaza. No. Oh, sorry, in the, in the square, Palmerston North. No, there, well, there won't be public – I mean, no, yeah. and that's the point. Yeah. Festival of Cultures in mm. the square, they're going to be February next year. Uh, that won't – people can wander – unless they fence the thing off. But even so, I can't see that happening under the traffic light system. No, no, I can't either. Of course, Festival of Cultures this year missed a level three by one day. One day, it? So, yes. <laughs> it was it was very lucky. I, you were you were there broadcasting, were yes. you? And I was there reporting uh, for the standard. But had that had that level three scare from February been a day earlier, that would have all been uh, all been cancelled pretty fast. The last thing we ever did before the first lockdown. Um, we are here with Jimmy Ellingham from the uh, oh, haha, from RNZ. The oh, I've done reporter. that plenty of times, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from RNZ, regional reporter uh, for Manawatu. Um, I guess, Jimmy, just uh, a quick one. I, I, with the, the, the standard, that was a fairly uh, set established role if people had stories they wanted to get to you then there, there were ways to do that are you adding yourself to people's press release lists do you is there a email address people can use or? yes definitely and you can get me at jimmy.ellingham which is e l l i n g h a m i don't know why i'm reading that that's my own name <laughs> at rnz.co.nz and i mean I, in fairness i'm still working out exactly the sorts of stories that RNZ does want to report from this yep. region, but uh, definitely keen to hear from from people. And I'll be keeping an eye on similar sorts of things to the standard, uh, the likes the likes of local body council stories. That I think that would depend on what it is. There are some issues that you know nationally are, are significant, mm-hmm. some perhaps not, but but definitely do intend to. Um, keep an eye on those issues and uh, and get along even to the old council meeting. I didn't go to many <laughs> when I was at the Standard. I uh, didn't get a chance, of course, because we had established council 
council reporters there in many cases anyway, which I was not. Mm. I, I guess the three water stuff will be things that you'll be focusing on because they do have that national appeal. And, you know, when, mm. when councils are voting to leave LGNZ, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Nature Calls, yes. the, uh, the Palmerston North Wastewater uh, Project, and some housing stories uh, around. One I, I couldn't cover last week because I was doing a story about vaccinations, but one was interesting perhaps was the summer uh, haze yes. uh, housing story. I, I've covered this previously at The Standard, but mostly The Standard's uh, council reporter Janine Rankin has been covering that mm-hmm. uh, pretty closely. But there was a council committee meeting, uh, planning and strategy committee meeting last week that voted to see that. used to be Bowls Club land yep. and they moved that a, a year or so ago. Uh, to, to, to try to turn that into housing. Of course, it's not as simple as that because half of it is designated for recreation, half of it is designated for housing. So mm-hmm. there will have to be some more hearings and the public will again get to have its say. The public's already had its say about uh, what it wants to see happen. And many people actually argued for green space to be continued, mm-hmm. saying once we lose it, it's gone. Uh, some people too argued for a combination of both, didn't they, with the uh, perhaps housing on some and perhaps keep some as some sort of parkland. Yep, yep. And we're seeing that with the, as the council calls it, the Huia Street Reserve, as everyone else calls it, the old bowling club land <laughs> on the corner of Park Road and Fitzherbert Ave. And that would require an act of parliament to change that one. Yes, uh, which I don't think there's much appetite for, but you never know. Um, it's a good, It always amuses me, and actually we spoke about this, uh, are we going to uh, speak to Lou Finlay about this, I'm quite sure, uh, with the three waters, but it strikes me that um, it, it, it amuses me that uh, the council committee, the planning and strategy committee, which is just the, all 16 council members jugg- juggled around, make a decision, but then it has to go to council proper, to be written. You're all there. Do, do you think they've ever said, I don't like that decision? Yeah, <laughs> that the, quite that the probably. Planning, uh, yes. And strategy committee has made. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? It's just the creaky old bureaucratic <laughs> machine. They, it, it could move faster and it wouldn't be difficult. Although there's probably legislation to say why not. Who knows? Anyway, we are here with Jimmy Ellingham from the Man with Two Standard. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Uh, also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. And of course, if you want to hear uh, or read any of the stories that Jimmy's talking about, you can head to rnz.co.nz. Uh, some of the stories that he has written uh, also have uh, audio to go with them now, which uh, I'm sure you're enjoying learning to do. Yes, no, it's very exciting. No, no, the audio, the audio is good to do. There's just a lot to... When you're, I was thinking about this. When you're a print journalist, you, you can turn up to anything. And mm-hmm. how I said, I turned up to a fire last week with just my phone I mean, that's sort of okay in that situation. But as a print journalist, you don't even need your phone. You can actually just turn up with a, as long as you've got a pen yep. and something to write on. Ideally, a pad doesn't even need to be. It can yep. be the back of an envelope, whatever. Yep. You're pretty well set. But uh, it's a bit different now. <laughs> I feel like the days of traveling light are over. But um, but, but there's, there's definitely fun aspects too. For example, uh, one story I did last week about the vaccines that we discussed before. Um, yeah, it's fun to try to make it sound good as well. I don't just mean the interviews of people where you want to have, you know, I've learned about the likes of having background atmospheric noise, mm-hmm. which had never occurred to me until a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yes. No, atmosphere. So, I mean, you, you'd know all about that, Fraser, being a, a, a radio man for, well, uh, yeah, for decades. Probably going back a few years before I actually took that seriously because, yeah, I, I just 
sit here and talk to people now. But um, right, let's uh, move on. Uh, we've uh, any other? I mean, we're a bit story light at the moment because you've just started the job and RNZ. You know, you've been reporting predominantly on on the high flyers thing, and you, I've seen you starting to spread your wings a little further. But anything else caught your eye that you're looking forward to report on? Oh, there's plenty. Um, that looking forward to report on. Um, as I said before, it'd be nice to get into those, some of those local local body uh, yep. issues as well. I will be doing some court, but as RNZ says, if they send every regional reporter to uh, to court every day, that's a lot of court yes. uh, news. So that that won't be that often. Um, I wouldn't think. I mean, as far as the other staples go, sport perhaps not so much, mm-hmm. uh, unless it was something. You know, significant. For example, the NPR football team doing extremely well in the Arena Summer Soccer Series. Yes, indeed. If, if you took that out, I'd, I'd imagine that would be something yeah. I'd uh, definitely report on. Mm. At length. And at, at length, In yeah. fact, come down and commentate. <laughs> and and uh, moving on relatively <laughs> <laughs> relatively fast. I mean, there's also there's the local day-to-day stuff that happens, isn't it? Occasionally, like the High Flyers fire. Mm-hmm. Some Sometimes uh, a car crash in itself might not be... Uh, that nationally significant, but a car crash blocking State Highway One on the, yes. at, on Christmas Eve near near Bulls could be so that sort of thing. And and speaking of Bulls, of course, there's all the de- the developments of the Defence Force, which would be interesting to follow. Yeah, uh, as well. I imagine uh, the Kiwi Rail Freight Hub and the Gorge Road will continue to be high profile for you because those are projects of huge national importance. Oh, well, they're major. Definitely, mm. um, definitely be uh, keen to follow. Follow those. I mean, the Gorge Road over the next what three years? It's supposed to open Christmas twenty twenty four. Will be one that uh, will definitely keep an eye on. It. And the fact that we can see it now, you can see progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, uh, God, can't you ever? A huge scar on the landscape. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I think I might have said when I went to a site visit there in February, there was a a huge. Uh, basically, it's it's. A downslope. Once you get off the initial part of Ashurst, you go up a hill and then down, and that's been smoothed out into this relatively nice uh, mm-hmm. gradient. But it, it wasn't. So they, they've got to fill in a lot of land. So there's a lot of earth being moved about yes. uh, there, and it's um, and as you say, it's starting to look um, pretty pretty massive already. It's like you know when you used to fly over Transmission Gully. And near Wellington, and from the air was often the best place to see that. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, speaking of the the gorge and the, and the saddle and all that sort of thing, did we ever find out what happened? Why that turbine caught fire? Oh no, no, we didn't. Uh, I did actually ask uh, Vistas, the, the company, last week. They didn't have a uh, a lot to say about it, it at this am, stage. Am I right in saying it's the one that's part of the lookout? Because I drove over the the saddle, we went down to um, uh, Greytown uh, during the school holidays, and we were driving through. And I said, "Right, everyone, look out for the one that caught fire." And the lookout place is closed. It did look a bit charred, and they've roped down the the turbine fins to stop it spinning. Right. So you know, it's interesting that it's that one. Well, that'd be very hard um, for it to catch fire for any reason from the ground, wouldn't it? it would- Surely be something. Oh, the youth of today are very, very resilient. It's surprising. Oh, right? yes. I, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> well, sure. I'm a bit out of touch. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy Ellingham, uh, nice to meet you in the capacity of RNZ regional reporter. We're going to be speaking to you every second Wednesday, finding out what you're reporting on. Um, and uh, as Jimmy said, if you have anything that you may think be of uh, national interest, uh, jimmy.ellingham at rnz.co.nz. You'll you just search him on RNZ's website. You'll see all the stories he's reporting as well. And you can listen to them too. Uh, that is 
is it for the catch-up this morning. Uh, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Jimmy, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Fraser. this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.